This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Esports is a good aberration. We're still moving forward. We're part of something much bigger than sport right now. The health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Happy Monday, everyone. We're getting into the postseason when it comes to the NBA. And it's a different one, different maybe in a good way, guys, versus last year where everybody was bubbled up down in Orlando getting tested all the time. This year, the new twist is the play-in games. And I have to say, from a fan's perspective, but also from a business perspective, Lynchy, this is more high-quality basketball. You know, you always wonder how much things are, like, even lightly scripted in some ways, or if they just kind of cross their fingers and hope for the best. You kind of can't make it up in the sense that you're going to have LeBron versus Steph, one game, everything's on the line to some extent, uh, and then the next day, or two days later, I should say, one of them is going to be fighting for his and his team's life to get into the playoffs. That's good early playoff, or I should say play in basketball, right? Absolutely. At first, I was a little skeptical. I thought it was a gimmick, but the interest... In the last two weeks of the regular season has been enormous. And baseball did it. They have like a one-game wild card. Yeah. Going, uh, the National Football League has added an extra playoff team. So it's a different layer right now. I'd like it. LeBron says whoever came up with it should be fired <laughs> because if the Lakers <laughs> lose and go up, <laughs> that's my, what he might be fearing. But it, there's a lot of pressure here. And, you know, Single elimination. Now, I know the, the higher seed teams, 9 and 10, have to win two games. And the, uh, the lower seed, 7 and 8, only have to win one game. But there's nothing, anything can happen in single elimination, as we see every year in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Well, that's exactly right. And, and Michael Barr, so you, you're going to see, it feels like, a high, high level of fan interest this week. And that is good for basketball. You know, we talk all the time on this show. We were talking about it as it relates to the NFL last week. The season just gets, you know, the season, the offseason, just get like pulled ever so much more, like played out and played out. More opportunities for drama, more opportunities, let's be honest, more opportunities to make money off of uh, broadcast rights. Come on, who's not going to watch this? This is going to be good. And I I know LeBron James is like, you know, that, you know, that that one naysayer about, well, at least vocally. Yeah. But this is great. I'm going to be watching this hinging on everything and it's i mean think about it and lynch you said it the best it's like this is like the ncaa tournament and it's one game and if you blow it you're out i i love it now the other side of this that they're gonna have to figure out a way to to work out and i don't know exactly how they're gonna do it guys is you had essentially tanking going on you know over the the course of the last weekend you know most notably you know you you had a situation where the clippers essentially put in their sorry i know these are professional basketball players they put in their scrubs so that they could kind of lock in 
this first round matchup with the Nuggets. So, you know, there are things that you're going to see teams do in order to sort of jockey for position, but you could argue that, that that's just part of the drama lynching. Yeah, without question. And uh, one of the reasons they that they put in the draft lottery was so that t- teams were tanking to get the number right. one pick. Now, uh, this this has nothing to do with the draft because the teams that get eliminated from this play-in go into the lottery automatically. Right. But, uh, you know, yeah, it, it, it was happening. Um, I'm sure the commissioner's not too happy about it. Uh, but this this whole thing is, is, is great. There's another game. There's another game of ticket sales, business-wise. Ticket right. sales, merchandise, concessions, parking, television, you name it. And it's a win-win all the way around. Yeah, I'm gonna actually uh, catching up today. We're talking on Monday. I'm catching up today with Cynthia Marshall. She's the president of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, her team is in the playoffs. They uh, they're in the playoffs straight up. So they will uh, they'll have a game coming up uh, once the the playoffs really start after the play-in tournament. So I'm interested to get her take on how this works from a business perspective. So we'll play part of that conversation as the week goes on. That's part of our special the business week conference that we're putting on here so meanwhile uh on the other side of professional basketball the wnba they grow up so fast turns 25 (laughs) uh turned 25 this weekend (laughs) and a lot of attention paid to that and you know i have to say guys it it was interesting to to read and hear some about that in part because there is more attention being paid we caught up with one of the new owners of in the WNBA last week, that is Suzanne Abair of the Atlanta Dream. A lot of enthusiasm, but still not great economics. You know, Lynchy, one of the things that I read said if you look at the NBA at 25, it wasn't all that great either. So, you know, maybe we're hitting an inflection point, or maybe that's too optimistic. Well, even when the NBA hit 25, you had household names. Yeah. You could roll off your tongue. You could say Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Bob Pettit, Bob Cousy, on and on and on. I don't think the average fan can do that with the WNBA at 25. Who's your all-time uh, WNBA starting uh, starting lineup? Now, hardcore fans that really follow women's basketball might be able to come up with it. And, you know, it's just the sad reality. I've been trying to put my finger on it. It's because people like to see three-point shots by Steph Curry from half court and guys that can can dunk an alley-oop. Is that an attraction that's missing um, from the WNBA? I don't know. Um, They're great basketball players. I... I love the uh, the women's NCAA basketball tournament. If you're a basketball purist, that's at its purest form right there. But it's somehow the fans sort of just disconnect after the March Madness and that the, the next level with the WNBA. Yeah, and I do recommend uh, going back and listening if you if you didn't hear it, the full conversation that we had with Suzanne Bear because you know you do you are starting to see different. Uh, types of ownership come into the WNBA. My own view of it, in part, is around the kind of feels like complicated kind of half in half out relationship that the NBA has. Sometimes Michael Barr, you have similar ownership as is the case with the Minnesota teams, both the Timberwolves and the Lynx will be owned, assuming this deal does get to to close by this new ownership group of A Rod and Mark Laurie. So will they invest a little bit more 
in Atlanta, which we were just talking about. You have two separate ownership groups. That seems to be something uh, that that needs to be worked out. But uh, I, I don't know what kind of gets this to a point where where we're talking about it. in the same way that candidly we're talking about women's soccer, which is probably the most popular uh, professional women's sport. I think the biggest thing, and I remember this in the early days of the WNBA lifetime decided to try to air the WNBA games. Mm. And I, I, I was wondering, I said, is that the right platform for this for this concept? And, you know, it, I think that's part of it. It's like, it, it's just got, they have to get a, a good media deal to air some mm. of these games. And, and, and of course, like you said, we're diehard fans, so we're going to be following this. I mean, you know, I was following when Sue Bird proposed. I'm like, oh, this is great. Yeah. And <laughs> and you know, we're we're going to follow it. But the casual fan, uh, you, you got to have the right platform to air the games. Yeah, social media and social justice do seem to be two elements where the WNBA uh, has been very forward thinking. So we'll see if that continues uh, as we go into this next season, the 25th year of the WNBA. Happy birthday to them. And uh, the season will go on in, in sort of a, a slightly different way because there'll be a break. Uh, assuming there are Summer Olympics, there will be a break for the Summer Olympics uh, later on this summer. Uh, no break in the world of horse racing. The Preakness, it went off. Uh, and we're not going to have the good news. I think Michael Barr is we're not going to have a tainted triple crown because there's not going to be anybody uh, contending much to your wallets. Um, you know, maybe consternation uh, in terms of your own betting. But uh, I don't know. What did you make of the Preakness? Oh well, of course I bet on Medina Spirit, and I'm looking at him <laughs> in the lead. And somebody got the word to the horse, "Hey, Michael Barr just bet on you." Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like it's woeing up. I'm like, "What? What is going on?" And all of a sudden, <laughs> Rombauer just came out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and and kudos to to Rombauer. I mean, uh, it, it ran a great race. Uh, and Medina Spirit wound up going third. Uh, I, what I wonder, though, is how many people were watching the Preakness. I haven't seen the ratings yet because of the tainted problem at the Kentucky Derby with Medina Spirit. Yeah, does that – it doesn't bode well overall for the sport, but is there a sort of a purient interest, do you think, uh, Lynchy, about uh, horse racing at this point? I mean, this is a this is a mess for horse racing. I mean, it's it's been a mess for a while, but this is front and center. The most celebrated trainer, Bob Baffert, of course, being uh, finding himself embroiled in in this big scandal related to the Kentucky Derby and his spirit Medina, his horse Medina Spirit, excuse me, uh, testing positive. We still haven't gotten that second test. The horse, as you just heard Michael Barr say, uh, did race in the Preakness, but but didn't win. Does it take a little bit of the sting off of this? What do you think, Lindsay? Well, obviously the people that put their money down don't really think so and don't really care. Yeah. Uh, the Preakness actually had a record handle of $68 million on that race, the Preakness stakes alone, $113 million on the 10-race card. Now, that's up almost 10% from the all-time record set in 2005. And because of COVID, they only allowed 10,000 fans in at, uh, at, at, at the racetrack that day. So, you know, you throw the mix in of Baffert, Medina Spirit, and a possibility of a triple crown, and there's a lot of interest. Yes, the sport uh, 
the sport needs a commissioner, basically, uh, <laughs> to, to govern. You know, there's just no – every state, you know, they go from state to state, and there are different rules, and there are different drug tests, and just drugs are, some drugs are legal in some states, they're illegal in other states. They need a commissioner. Uh, it, 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 it's, it works for the, for, for the PGA. It works for the four, major, four or five major sports. Horse racing needs a commissioner. Well, and and it does raise the the record handle raises this interesting question to me at least Michael Barr which is it feels like the money would dictate or the money would tell us in this case that betters don't necessarily care as much if the sport is dirty because they're getting paid. Oh, we <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to gamble if two marbles are are yeah. rolled down the hall, we're going to bet on that. And and I'm sorry to say that it's what I'm concerned about uh, is the person who is the the casual racing fan. Like I said this before, yeah, it, and everybody knows the the triple crowns. They know the Kentucky Derby. They know the Preakness. They know the Belmont. So uh, what I'm wondering is how many people watch this. Now keep in mind, Baffert was not even at that race. Yeah, and you know, it's he put out a statement today. It's not about Bob Baffert. Instead, it's about Medina Spirit. Well, he didn't go to the race because of all this controversy swirling. But, I mean, heck, if, if my horse has won the Kentucky Derby, I'm just wondering why would I not show up for the Preakness? Because if I got a chance for a Triple Crown, I would like to be there. Now, Bob Baffert knows way more about horse racing than I do. But, you know, I, it's I, I, that's something else that, that struck me when I was, was checking out a little bit of the Preakness. All right. Well, I always bring up collectibles with uh, a little a little bit of hesitation because I don't like to trigger Lynching about his, you know, his baseball cards that his dad threw away. Best thing that ever happened. To him. And you but, told him too that you weren't going to bring this well, up. Well, yeah, there. yeah, no, exactly. Uh, and the, and there I went. Um, Rally Collectibles. This is a really interesting company. They were, they uh, they just raised, according to our friends over at Sportico, thirty million dollars. Uh, Excel Ventures. Very, very well-known venture capital fund is leading that round. This is a collectibles app. What I find so fascinating about this, guys, and I'm not a collectibles guy, but I am fascinated by the business of it. So basically, you can buy shares in collectibles. So they'll essentially take something and divide it up into shares. So one of the latest things that they did was a pair of game-worn sneakers that were a gift from Kobe Bryant to LeBron James. We were talking about King James earlier, um, an initial market cap, as it were, of $180,000, $10 a share. And part of this is you can get fractional ownership in a collectible. You presumably are buying it with the idea that other people will be interested in it. You can sell your shares eventually and, and make a profit. This is technology and collectibles at work. A lot of interesting people uh, already invested in this, including the rapper and venture capitalist Nas, as well as Reddit co-founder Alexis Ohanian. Uh, you buying shares and some shoes here, Lynching? Well, I'm kind of be. I, my interest has peaked here. There's some copies of the Declaration of Independence yeah. that you can invest in. Uh, uh, lunar meteorite, uh, dinosaur fossils. Uh, who knows? And you know, you go from sneakers to uh, a lunar meteorite. I'm, I'm, I'm reading this article here, and I'm very, very captivated by it. Yeah, it is. It, I mean, it is a very interesting idea yeah. because the notion. I mean, we're getting into like heavy Bloomberg stuff here in a good way. Like, this is about 
an illiquid market. You know, th this is a, this is a market that really has been largely limited historically by you know shops that shops or individual collectors who are to say the least not working in a very transparent market. Uh, this is providing some some liquidity here. So if you want to sell something that is rare, or you know, if you don't have the the economics, the personal economics to buy something of huge value, you can buy a share and, and invest in that. So, I don't know. I I, I like it, Michael Barr. I do. I, it's it, The one question I have is, let's say, for instance, I want to invest in a, a Roger Maris baseball card, his rookie baseball card. Where is it stored? Because it's got to be placed somewhere. Yeah. Is it is it going to be in a safe deposit box? Who has control of that? But I like the idea of buying shares. At least, uh, you know, I could have a little bit of, of Roger Maris, or if one day if they were put Holdness Wagner up on there, I'd love to have a share of that too. But so my understanding is that the company Rally does take custody. So they, you know, they own these assets. They basically purchase them with the idea of then selling uh, shares. Their biggest return, again, this is according to Sportico, uh, in an exit was, uh, they, and this happened in less than two months. They more than doubled their money, 106%, for a 1958 rookie trading card of soccer legend Pele. So, there yes. you go. Mm -hmm. The money is out there. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. And somewhere, my baseball cards are in a <laughs> landfill in Massachusetts. I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at LynchyWCBB. It's always going to be too soon. I'm Jason Kelly. Follow me <laughs> at Jason Kelly News. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Check us out later. Big week coming up. We're going to check in with the CEO of the PGA talking about – is it the PGA? Sorry, Charlie. Who is it? See, yeah, he's the CEO or COO. Don't promo it because I don't know what we're going to do for the weekend because we're going to have all the stuff in that BizWeek Summit. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I, I mean, we're still recording and we're going to just – We're going to have a ton of just good stuff and we got to figure out what to put where. So just don't don't promote the show because I'm not promote 100% anything. yet. Okay. Yeah, I want to see – because, look, if we get three segments great on A-Rod, then I'm going to use three segments on yeah. A-Rod. Like, that's okay. – we'll figure it out. I have that for you. I, I can send that over. I did that on Friday. I'll send it over to you. Oh, great. Okay. Good. And I'm Jason Kelly at Jason Kelly News. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Jason Kelly just did Lynchy dirty. You're listening to Bloomberg <laughs> Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world, and online, wherever you get your podcasts.